0: I think there's a general, uh, maybe lack of understanding um, nowadays, or at least a depth of understanding of really all that Easter means for us and the depth of significance of what the resurrection is. And the way I kind of want to look at this um, uh, is if, if you think about the resurrection, in order to fully understand it, you have to understand that it comes as a pair. The resurrection cannot be understood and cannot be fully um, brought into your life without also knowing that it comes with what happened on Friday that week, on Good Friday. It's like, it's like if you bought a, a pair of shoes, um, but you bought only two right feet. That pair of shoes is not gonna do you a bit of good because uh, you're never gonna be able to put the left one on and you only have one shoe on one foot. No good, you're not gonna be able to wear that. And to fully understand the resurrection, you have to know both sides to it, both parts to it. That is so important. So we're going to look a little bit at what took place on Good Friday and, and what took place on, on Sunday and how those things can reconcile for our life. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to read about five or six verses. And um, I know for some of this, like Romans, this can be kind of thick and kind of, kind of deep. So bear with me here because I'm going to come back and we'll kind of explain it step by step. But I want you to see the whole thing. It's It's a very rich passage, got a lot of great stuff for us this morning. We'll break it down. But it's going to kind of relate Jesus' death and resurrection, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, with with this idea of baptism. And I should clarify one more thing because we all have different traditions we've come from with baptism of different things, but what it's talking about here in the time that it was written would have been someone who was baptized, fully submersed into water and coming back out. Having this idea of going under the water is like death and dying and coming up out of the water as like resurrection. And so, so the author here, Paul is writing in Romans, kind of helping us understand. See, these two things go together. You can't, you can't separate them. So let's read this in Romans 6, and then uh, we'll come back, and we'll break it down to make sure you understand it. 6, verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with Him, with Jesus, by baptism into His death. So like going down in the water. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we may too walk in a new way of life. And that's what it's all about, the walk in a new way of life. Verse 5, for if we've been joined with Him, Jesus, in likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So you can't have one without the other. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion, its rule, its power over our bodies may be abolished, obliterated, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, or in other words, to be controlled by it, since a person who has, been, who has died is freed from sin's claims. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ has been raised from the dead and we will not die and will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all, but in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God so that you too may consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, that's meaty, that's heavy. There's a lot of good stuff there. So it's this idea that I I want you to see is you you really can't, none of the authors in in the Bible, I mean, you go and you talk about the resurrection, you're going to hear them talk about Jesus' death because you cannot separate those two things. And and if you think about it maybe as a sports analogy, um, if you were, let's think of football, uh, the the, the very end of the season, the very top thing you can do in football is to win the Super Bowl, right? And so let's say if a a player gets injured on one of the teams in any year, and they get hurt and they end up not playing the end of the season, they don't even play in the playoffs, they don't even play at the Super Bowl, but they're they're still on the roster, they're just injured reserve or whatever, they're gonna get a ring along with everybody else even though they didn't do anything. Or or even more than someone who's injured reserve, and they they would owe that, they maybe got them there. But let's say there's somebody on the team who's like third string quarterback and they don't play a game the entire season. That team wins the Super Bowl, it happens every year. Well, that person gets the most expensive participation trophy that is ever handed out. I don't know what those rings are worth, like $100,000. But even if they didn't play a single game, take a single snap all season, by participation, by being a part of the team, they are a Super Bowl winning player and they get a ring. Are you with me? So what what Romans Romans 6 is really saying is, Jesus died and then he rose again. And we didn't do anything, he did it all, But when we share in his death and his resurrection, because they go in pairs, we get all of the rewards and all the attributes that come with it, even though you and I didn't do a thing. And even worse than, maybe not worse, but in addition to that, maybe that person that makes the team is still a good football player, third string in the NFL. I mean, they still could probably play even though they weren't used. Well, guess what? You and I, like Jesus, is not putting us in the game. Like, it's not working, we, we, we didn't do it, so Jesus showed up and said, you go ahead and ride my coattails. I mean, really, I'm okay with that. You share in my death and my resurrection. If you come and you share in my life, then you get to participate in my victory, as we just say. This is really what it's saying, so it relates baptism, because we're not doing anything when we get baptized, it's all symbolic, we're going in the water, coming out. There's nothing physically happening, it's, it's what it represents, and what it represents is, hey, I'm with Jesus. I'm on his team, and so all that he has done and all that he has, I get to participate and enjoy because I've chosen to follow him. So we've been doing a series here on Sunday mornings that we're going to continue to do the next few weeks called Not Yours, and we've been exploring various things that we feel are kind of like ours. The first week we talked about like my life, and you probably heard someone say, maybe you've said it, you know, it's my life, you know, stay out of it, or I'll live the way I want to, it's my life. and. The Bible comes along to us, though, in these areas that we like to claim as our own and says, you know, not only is it not really your life, God gave us our life, He gives us our very breath, but the Bible makes a pretty good argument we've been looking at for the last few weeks that you don't do a very good job being in, in charge of your life anyway. We looked at money. You know, money makes a good servant, we said, but it doesn't make a good master. Last week, we looked at our plans. You know, we've got great plans in our life. Maybe you have plans in your, in your, in your heart and life that you wanna do great things, but your plans are not supposed to be what dictates and controls you. When they are, you end up with all sorts of pressure and live in a life trying to make something happen. Just on and on. We're gonna look at my time. We're gonna look in a couple weeks about my body. That's a big one in our culture. It's my body. Don't tell me how, how I wanna use it. Well, the, the Bible and God has a lot to say about all these things because he views them as his. But he also knows that if you use them the way he designed them, Boy, it's a lot better. It's a lot greater anyway. We're gonna look at a little of this so as we talk about Easter today and what I'm gonna look at is that it's not my fight. Some of us, you know, when we go through things in life and we go through difficulties and struggle, we kind of get this attitude whether we say it or not that, hey, you know what? This is my fight. This is my thing. And I've talked to many people over the years that I find out they were going through tough times and I said, why didn't you call? Why didn't you let me know we could have helped you? No, 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 no. This is my thing. I'm gonna figure it out. I got news for you Easter and all that took place here, it don't work that way. You can't win this fight. This is God's fight that He did for you because you can't win it, but you can share in the victory. You can share in the victory if you share with what Jesus did. But so we're going to, I hope, resist some of what comes natural to us, natural tendency to kind of just think, hey, this is my deal. This is my fight. I'll take care of it. And we kind of resist asking for help sometimes but Jesus knows that we need help. So Easter and the resurrection is an invitation to come join and share in what Jesus has done. But the first thing we need to know is we have a problem stopping what we started. We have a problem stopping what we started. And what I'm, what I'm really referring to is back in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God created this beautiful world, this perfect garden. He placed Adam and Eve in it. And he said, you can have everything. It's going to be amazing. I'm going I'm to give you everything. Take care of it. You work it. It's going to be wonderful. Just don't eat from that one tree. And they made a decision to say, you know what? We don't know if we really believe that God's given us a straight up deal here. We think maybe we know better than God. That's what it boils down to. And they went ahead and they disobeyed him, which in turn started a whole ball rolling that basically their choice has become our choice, we've all done it, where we choose to try to do life on our own instead of trusting and relying on God. And what I mean by point one today is this is all a problem that we got started doing it on our own, and the biggest problem is we can't stop it. We can't stop what we started, and this happens in our lives a lot. My wife likes to tease me. Because I have this issue when we go to buffets. I need to stay away from buffets. There's something about a buffet. Does anybody like a a good buffet? I mean, just, you pay $8.99 and then they say, it's all yours as many times as you want. And maybe there's only one thing that controls me more when I get in a restaurant than wanting to eat everything, and that is how cheap I am. And so if I could order seven meals and not have to pay for them, I probably would do it every time, which is why buffets are dangerous because they say $8.99 and you just keep going back. And I'm just like, wow, this is... This is as good as it gets. And, and I have a hard time stopping because I get so full and then, can we wait 30 minutes? Because I just noticed there's a soft serve machine around the corner, right? I mean, that's the killer. You put it in a bowl and then you ask, do you have any cones? Because maybe I could take one to go. I mean, I just get in trouble. I mean, I eat for, for two days worth when I, when I go to a buffet. It, we all have little areas in our life that once we get something started, it gets really hard to stop it, right? Some of you guys, with your video games, I mean, I'm sorry, I know, so, it'd be nice on Easter, but you know, you're like, I'm just gonna go play, it's Saturday morning, next thing you know, you miss church, you know, on Sunday. And I, I, one more level, when I was a kid, I don't play video games anymore, I, I spend my time trying to control an eight, five, and three year old, um, but when I used to play them, I mean, it, you just, you go under for like eight hours and you just, you don't even realize what day it is. I, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you, you are the definition on the weekends of a Netflix binge, right? I mean, you just go in episode after episode and we know I gotta stop. I need to do something like eat and breathe. But you just, you keep going. We, we just have a tendency sometimes in our lives we get things started and it gets hard to stop. You read a great book. I have a hard time putting a really good book down. It, it could be anything. But listen, those are all kind of funny examples, but we also, all of us probably have much more serious, much more real ones. How many times have we told somebody, I, 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 I promise I'll never do that again. I promise you I'll never do that again. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never speak to you that way again. I'll never, I mean, let's, let's be real, right? I'll never, I'll never hit you again, I'll never cheat on you again. I'll never abuse you and violate, I mean, we, we know people have said that to us and we've said it to others. We said it to our kids. We said it to our spouses, "I'm really sorry the way I treated you. I'm really sorry for for for, for how my attitude was." I mean, if we're really honest, and I'm not going to make you raise your hands, obviously, but if we're really honest, we all have areas like that in our life. We beat ourselves up because we promise, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall prey to that temptation of that addiction again. Uh, I'm not gonna go back to drinking. I'm, I'm not gonna go back to the pornography. I'm, I'm not gonna go back to all that critical and judgmental thinking. And We beat ourselves up. I, 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 I'm so tired of struggling with this anxiety or this depression or, or letting people use me over and over and over again. I'm, I'm not gonna embarrass you today, but you know, you know that there's something that goes on in our lives that, that, we, 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 that starts to take over us and we have a hard time stopping. All of us, all of us. Why is this Where does this lack of power come from well we read it there in in romans 6 a minute ago in verse 6 it says we know that our old self was crucified with jesus in order that sin's dominion its power its rule over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin this whole idea of death and resurrection came about because god is no dummy he knows what you're going through what you're struggling those things you keep going back to And he said, I need to do something about it because you are a slave to this sin and it's not sin of actions. We oftentimes just think about sin as being actions. Actions are the result of the power. The the sin that God wants to take care of our life is the power within us that makes us do the actions. We are being controlled by that and so therefore we have great intentions but we have a hard time following through because we're just simply not in control and if if we don't admit that it's because we're not being honest with everyone else and sometimes not honest with ourselves even paul himself says in romans 7 listen straight out of the writer of the new testament i want to do what is good but i don't i don't want to do what is wrong but i do it anyway he said i've discovered this principle the quicker you discover this the better that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You are not alone out there. You're not the only one who is struggling to try to do it right and try to do it right this time and to really come through and make good on your word and make good on your promise. You're not the only one. But there is another way for this to end. He says, there's another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin, and that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I don't have to do a show of hands. We've all said that at times in our life. Mm, sometimes we don't want to admit it. We don't want anybody to know about it. But deep down inside, we get frustrated. We get mad at ourselves because we can't follow through, because we keep messing up, because we keep going back to that thing. Man, you're in good company. Paul knows how you feel. But he says this. Here's, here's the hope today. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the difference between Paul and maybe you today, and and maybe me, not not now in my life that I've discovered this, but certainly a lot of my life, is that if (laughs) the problem is you, so just working harder and trying harder and promising again, and I, I, I triple promise, and I'm gonna do this, it's not the action it's, it's not your boss's fault, your spouse's fault, your kid's fault. It's not the internet's problem or money's problem. The problem is in you. And Paul says, until you realize, until Jesus gets in, this is all just going to continue to happen. Then it's just going to be over and over and over again. We have a hard time stopping what we started. So God says we need to do something about it. And that's what he did. That's what Good Friday is all about. What's so good about Good Friday? Saw that in all kinds of magazines and newspapers over the weekend well I'll tell you what's so good Jesus stopped what we started Jesus stopped what we started do you remember the the three very strong words in John 19 verse 30 when when Jesus was handed the the vinegar and he and he drank from it then he said this where am I in my notes when he received the drink Jesus said it is finished and with that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and he died These these final words there that John gives us of Jesus on the cross was, it is finished. That tells us a lot, those three words. It's really just one Greek word, which means it has come to an end. It has been completed. It has reached its end. It's accomplished. It's completed. It's fulfilled. It's paid in full. Jesus just said this one Greek word, it is finished. And that that says a lot because the next moment he died, and basically what he was saying is, all of those things really uh, in one, that he accomplished it, and only Jesus could do it, and nobody else could, nor would ever be able to. Jesus stopped it all with his death. Let me read again Romans six, what we read to, uh, this morning, six and seven. For we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus, in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. That's what we just read in point one. But then we add verse, the pr- first part of first seven since a person who has died has been freed from sin's claims. You see, if you're dead, there's no more power controlling you. That's that's pretty self-explanatory. You're dead, you're dead. Physically, I mean, you're dead, nothing else is controlling you. You're not controlled by your anger, by your fear, by your anxiety. You're dead. And Jesus knew that there was only one way in order to take the, the talons of sin's claim on your life off of it was for you to die. But he doesn't want you to physically die. Jesus loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So he went and he died in your place. And he took the right that sin had as claim on your life and said, I take it, it's finished. And you could have a long list. The few that I just thought about was, one, what, what did that do? Well, sin's claim to each of us that we are just simply not good enough. I know that that rings through the heart and the spirit of everybody in this room. I've heard it too many times in my life well, I just, I, I know I'm, I'm not good enough at this or I really, I really failed at that. And, and we just feel like in, in our lives that, it, that we do the best we can sometimes really putting on a show, but at the end of the day, we're trying to outrun the feeling that we have inside that we're just not good enough. We quoted Madonna a few weeks ago who said that very thing. She said, man, I've accomplished everything and I am somebody and yet I still cannot feel like I'm somebody, something's wrong. I mean, you're never gonna escape from that. And Jesus said, you know what, that claim that you're not good enough, the the, the problem is it's true. So Jesus said the only way to fix it is, he says, you know what, I'll live the perfect life that you can't. He did it, he died and he says, guess what, good enough, that's finished. You are good enough in him. You, you let that claim go. I just, I'm not, I can't do this right. I can't do, this. I'm just cursed. I'm br- no, no, Jesus said that's done in him. You, 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 you go and you, you give your life to Jesus. He says, that's done. This whole race of just trying to be good enough and figure it out. But you, you find your life in him. Jesus was good enough. What you were powerless to do, Jesus was powerful enough to do. He accomplished it. Number two, Right? We, we know we're not good enough, and then we're also being chased by our own guilt and shame. The things that we've done wrong, how we've hurt people, where we've made mistakes, where we've, never, we've not done good enough, and we, 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 try to, we try to make it right by doing this or doing good over here. I mean, I can't believe how many people, you know, really, really just, you know, I, I did this, or I, I was listening to a person on a plane a few weeks ago. I, I just, I really tried just to be a good person. Well, the reason he's really trying to be a good person is because he also knows i've got parts of my life that are not good so i'm always trying to do some good things to try to outweigh the bad and our our guilt and our shame just chases after us it's not far behind no matter where we go and jesus comes and he says it is finished and when we we give our life to jesus he actually says you know your guilt and shame you, you deserve it yeah you've made mistakes we're not playing games here being honest yeah you've you've made mistakes but jesus says Boy, that's finished, and it's kind of cool, that word, that Greek word for it is finished, they actually use that as a stamp in in Greek economy. You can go to these places over in the Middle East, I've been to a few that show these big marketplaces in these ancient Greek towns, and when you'd go buy groceries or buy, uh, you know, maybe cattle or whatever you do in the marketplace to take them back to your house and you, you paid for it, they'd actually give you a receipt, and that's the word they would use, it is finished, boom, they would stamp it on the receipt, and what that meant was paid in full. It literally means paid in full, there's no more debt. And so when when Jesus, he not only accomplished what you couldn't accomplish, but he also paid for all your debts. Some of you who keep beating yourself up over the mistakes in your life and the failures and, and the things you've done over and over, you need to realize today that if you've given your life to Jesus, it is finished. You can't pay for the debt if you've given your life to him. He paid it in full. It's what the word means. You just take that claim off of your life and realize Jesus did it. He stopped what you started because you couldn't stop it. Lastly, though, there's also this, just this fear of death and judgment. And, you know, I can't believe how many people just really believe that God is out to get them, that God just hates them, and I just, it just breaks my heart that people feel that way. You know, some of you are you're thinking, you know, God just didn't think to look in a school, and that's why the building didn't fall down when you showed up today, right? But normally, if you set foot in a church, I mean, the whole lightning would strike it. God just didn't know. Look at the middle school. But he, he's outside in the parking lot. He's waiting for you. No, I, I mean, come on. If God wanted to get you, he could have done it a lot of different ways and a, a many times. Do, do you understand that your understanding, your characterization of God may not be the one that we know in the Bible? That there's a God who's chasing you down. Oh, but he's not chasing you down to destroy you. He's chasing you down so you would know him. So you would give him your sins and give him your life so that he could take that claim of sin off you. So you don't live under this fear of judgment and fear of of what's gonna happen and whether you're gonna be good enough. Man, listen, it's not your fight but you can share in Jesus's victory and have this, the claim of sin taken off your life when you share it in him. You're not gonna be able to stop it on your own. Number three, so let's jump to the resurrection. That's what's so good about Good Friday. Jesus stopped what we got started. Now the resurrection is all about starting back up what we stopped. All the way back to the very beginning when Jesus or when God created the world and gave us an amazing life. Jesus comes back and he basically redoes Genesis for us and says, let's start this all over again. It's gone awry, but let's start this all over again. Third point, Jesus' resurrection was the start of a new way to live. Let's read back to Romans 6 again, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him, Jesus, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a new way of life. You need to know this today just really simply. This is not a retry. Nobody needs a retry. Have you ever tried something I've been our kids are starting to get into sports, and sometimes I'll try to teach Nathan or Zachary something. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. You know, it's okay. You're going to hit it. And you know, tr- practice with baseball. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Eventually, they're like, I don't want to try it again. <laughs> like, I can't do it. Leave me alone, right? To try again is almost, like, worse. I'd rather just not try because I know I can't do it. Can you imagine how depressing it would be if all Easter was, which I actually think sometimes we misunderstand this. If all Easter was, was Good Friday. Hey, you know, your sins are forgiven. Wonderful now go try it again no 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 no. we needed something to start up not only did Jesus stop but we started but we needed a whole new start not a not a restart not a, a retry in fact I think it's really safe to say what the Bible is saying here in Romans and various other places is that this is a new existence hear me today this is not just trying or Jesus giving you a redo I don't wanna redo, I don't think you wanna redo. I'm I'm tired of trying to do it better. I wanna know that Jesus has given me a new way to do it. There's a new existence. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, man, this is a whole new way to live. I'm living, yep, still in my body but I'm not living like I used to. See, before, before you give your life to Jesus, maybe you haven't done it yet, you live your life kind of based on yourself. And everything in your life is kind of based on whether you're smart enough or good looking enough or if you can accomplish this or if you can acquire that or if you can create the perfect home or raise the perfect kids or be the right wife or spouse or if, 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 if you, um, you lose your husband or you lose your kids, you, you work it through, find someone else. It just always falls to you. You've you, you got to work it out. You've got to figure it out. You've got to dot in the I's and cross in the T's. And that's just normal. That's normal because that's what happened in the garden when, when our world took our lives and said, well, we're going to try to do this without God. But when Jesus comes and he, he gives to us resurrection, he gives us the opportunity to live the way we were supposed to originally live. But this is not a restart for what we've done. This is a whole new way to live. Now we live by faith in Jesus, what he has done and what he will do for me. See, any other religion and religion in general will always tell you what you need to do to get into heaven, to make things right, so that God is pleased with you, so that you can be close to God, whatever. Religion will always tell you what you need to do. Christianity comes in very differently and tells you what Jesus has done for you. And for you to share in that. That's why you know there's two times in the Bible, I don't know if there's a third, there's two times in the Bible that talks about God finishing something. The first comes in Genesis two when it says that on the seventh day God finished his work of creation and then he rested. God rested, he was done, the work was done. And then we zip all the way to to Jesus, which is why this is this new beginning, this new genesis, this new garden once again. It says that Jesus is on the cross, and then he says, it is finished. He died, and now we rest in what Jesus has done. That's the whole new existence. You rest in what Jesus has done instead of always trying to do it yourself, trying to stop and do it right and fulfill this. And You rest in what Jesus has done. You keep trusting him and following him, and he gives you a whole new way to live. Zechariah 4.6 says it this way. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Your fight is to remember that it's God's fight. Listen, lastly this morning, just the, really the point that brings it home, but really it's the kicker. You, you gotta catch this. Resurrected lives require death. You can't have resurrection without death. Right, I mean, they made sure that Jesus died. And, and if, he, if he wasn't dead, I mean even First Corinthians 15 says all of our faith and our belief in Jesus is in vain, it's worthless. But if in fact he died, then it's the greatest power and the greatest thing you can ever tap into. But listen, if there's not death, it's not resurrection, right? If someone almost drowns and you pull them on shore and you give them CPR and they come back, we call that resuscitation. It's not resurrection. It's you, you recessed that's not the word, you, whatever, you know what I'm saying. It's resuscitation. I'm gonna stay away from these words today. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, and I wanna say this, man. I, I don't know all of you, but I really do love you. And I, I just going to say something that can be kind of strong, but I, I say it's because I love you. I, there's a lot of people that have given up faith on Jesus, you just kind of do the church thing now. And you, you see it in events in our whole world, let's say like 9-11. After 9-11, oh man, all these people go to church because they realize I, I, I gotta have direction. I gotta have, but all that becomes is a resuscitation. It doesn't become resurrection. And and here's the thing, that's that's on a global scale or a national scale, but it happens on personal scale too. Right, everything kind of goes good, you're just kind of going along with the flow, everything seems fine, then all of a sudden you realize something's not good in your marriage. Something's not good going on with your kids or someone gets sick. And oftentimes, listen, I say this because I love you, I I don't care, you can use me and our church all you want because I don't care, if you get Jesus, that's all we care about, you can use us, but listen, If you just use church as a resuscitation, you cannot experience resurrection. And you know what your marriage and your family and your kids and you and your personal faith needs? It needs resurrection. It needs to have life, new life, a new way to do it. If you're struggling in your marriage or in your home or with your kids and you just come and feel better about yourself and then go do it the very way you've always been doing it, No wonder we think Jesus really didn't do anything or Easter doesn't really make a difference because all we ever did was kind of get our breath back and then going back and doing it the way we always did. It doesn't work that way. Resurrection follows death. Jesus calls us, remember resurrection and Good Friday, they're two pair. It's a pair together that if we don't actually give our life to Jesus fully, we can experience the resurrection that he wants to give us. Not only when we're finally dead someday, but resurrection in our lives today. Romans six, verse four, we read it. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so that we may walk in a new way of life. You know, if you bury somebody in a tomb and they stay dead, that's called a tomb. But here's my challenge for us today. Can you call that a tomb that Jesus was put in? Because he was put in a tomb dead, but then he came out alive. You could just as sense call that a womb. And you know what? Your marriage needs to be stuck in the tomb so God can make it a womb. You you know know that that feeling you have that you can't you just anger takes over you and, and frustration or jealousy or lust. Or oh, you go try it some more and go resuscitate yourself again and keep doing it the rest of your life. Or you can put it to death and stick it in a tomb and say, God, I'll never get over this until you bring something new out of it. Until you bring something new out of this. I can't do it anymore. And I can't just try it again harder myself. So that's why Paul says in Philippians, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And if I do that, I want to suffer with him starting in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the death. I like that one way or another. Because I got one and another way in my life that needs resurrection. I got more than one that needs resurrection. But it doesn't work unless you stick it in the tomb and kill it. You got to kill your pride and kill, kill trying to do it yourself. And humble yourself before Jesus and say, I can't do it. I'm powerless. I'll never do this marriage thing. I'll never do this job thing. I'll never be able to Do this thing fear thing or this anxiety thing I, I, I doing it on your I'm not going to do it myself anymore, God I'm going to give it to you you stick it in that tomb and you watch God take a tomb and make it into a womb and bring something new out of it, man we don't need people who have been resuscitated by church, we need people who have been resurrected by Jesus Christ and it's possible, it's possible stand to your feet, would you stand to your feet stand to your feet close your eyes with me Close your eyes, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. We're going to finish with just a short part of that song as we go here. But, Ben, don't miss this. So important. I just have this image. I'm going to close it this way. I have this image. Some of you are just drowning. And you know what I read about a lifeguard talking about helping people when they drown. He says, we always do the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. When people start drowning, they start failing, start moving their arms, and kicking their legs, they start doing more and more and more. And the problem is that you're more quickly to drown the more you get active. And some of you, you're just drowning, you're trying, you're just drowning, and all these things are just, and you're just kicking more and more and more. And what, what that lifeguard tells you is you've got to go back to what you learned in fifth grade, the dead man float. You've got to stop moving and kicking, and you just got to lay there, otherwise you're going to spend all your energy and you're going to drown. Some of you, you are kicking, you're screaming, you're just trying everything, and it's time to do the dead man float. Say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth for dying for me because I couldn't stop what I started. Thank you for forgiveness, for new life. And Jesus, today, I'm gonna try to let you fight to put to death my own sin, my own attempts to live my life, and rest in you. Jesus name don't open your eyes for just a second but how I described that a moment ago that's so many of you in here I know it is and before you leave before you go do your thing today you you take of the most important minutes of your life right now if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe it's been years and years and right now you would tell me, you know, Pastor Mark, I, I said that prayer and I really mean it. There's something in my heart that just says I needed to do that. And I, I really meant it. I'm, I am giving my life to Jesus. I am going to stop trying to tread water. I'm going to give my life to him today and I'm going to start living for him. If you really meant that, would you just lift your hand up for a moment? Maybe you've never done that before. It may have been a long time. Would you lift your hand up and look at me? I just want just to wanna pray for you. Yeah, I see you right here. Yeah, amen. Who else? I don't want to miss you this morning but yeah okay see you right there amen yeah anybody else yeah you sir yeah 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 you were in the back that's right hmm who else man don't be. yeah see you right there man yeah anybody else oh, yeah see you too yeah yeah you as well sir yeah yeah Amen. anybody else and you're powerless just let him carry you, Jesus thank Thank you for each of you. Jesus is coming into your life and changing you. Maybe one more simple question that we will take into this this final song. If you're here today, you know Jesus. Maybe you've given your life, but truly, truly, you've just been kind of resuscitating your faith, resuscitating your spiritual life. I'm gonna say this really quick so we can finish the song, but man, today you feel God just bringing you back. Lift your hand to him. You don't need to look at me just out of a conviction saying, God, forgive me. Let me just trust you. I give you my life. I don't wanna just resuscitate myself. God, I want to choose to, to put myself to the side, to, to count myself dead so that I can trust you and follow you. And we lift our hands and we say, God, help us today to really experience your resurrection because today we're sharing in your death so we can share in your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.